woke up in the desert. Like I've been dropped out of the sky. You got a name? I don't know. I'm gonna need you to come with us. That's Lonergan, boss. I want that man. You give him to me now. I need to know where you came from. So do I. You don't remember anything. for long. You just have to work together. Come on! Who is she? She's the only one who knows who I am. You know who you are. You just have to remember. They'll come back with more, and there will be no survivors. It's what they did to my people. I've seen good men do bad things. Bad men do good things. You go get our people back. They're here. Should we step in? Looks like he's doing fine. God damn. Welcome to They Call This a Movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and other podcast services by searching They Call This a Movie. We are part of the Main Damien Network. And to find more from us, check out the website at themaindamien.com or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Main Damien. We're also now a proud member of Geek Fives Nation. You can find them at gvnation.com. Welcome back to They Call This a Movie. This is Anthony Delvecchio. With me, as always, is Dan Quino and Mark Myers. Say hello, gentlemen. Hey, how's it going, guys? Yeah, so I had an event that occurred for the second time in my life and I've, I've made me think about if it, you guys have ever experienced this. So um, we'll talk about this a little later um, in depth, but I went and saw last night in Soho on Sunday, um, went into the theater. Um, and by the time, you know, the picture came on, there were only three people in the movie theater counting myself. Um, so my thought is, have you ever gone into a movie thinking, Oh, this thing's going to be popular. I see it all over the place. And then you walk in and the crowd is a lot less than you were expecting, or even just a little less, like just a surprise at how not crowded it was. Post pandemic, it's been like every movie, I think. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, yeah, that, at this point, it's kind of, I'm expecting it. Also, I always go on non peak hours. Okay. Mm-hmm. So 
I guess a Halloween Kills was a little less empty. It was a little more empty than I expected. It was like a Friday afternoon, though. I don't know how many people have this sweet deal I have. Of, you know, I get to basically <laughs> clock out at noon on a on a Friday. But um, yeah. I'm trying to think back. It's kind of because now I'm now we have to go into the before times, and that's like that feels like a an eternity ago yeah, of yeah that. i didn't even consider this one like pandemic related. like three people is still low even for pandemic you know afternoon showing on a sunday yeah i don't think this movie was marketed that well to be honest i didn't yeah, see too much of social it. media to be so. yeah i don't know what the real world kind of uh marketing was for this because i don't have cable yeah but yeah, I wasn't expect I wasn't expecting too much from this because it is an Edgar Wright movie, so it's like people in the know um, are probably more interested in it and then than your casual moviegoer. But uh, I'm trying to think. I don't even remember what my my theater looked like because I had see- I saw it Sunday as well, like a one o'clock showing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think. I could. I'll tell you the exact opposite is a movie. A movie that was a packed audience and then the returns on that for that movie was abysmal was grindhouse we saw that in mm, packed theater yep. midnight show in college yep, yep. uh that might must have been you know 10 percent of what that movie made that week <laughs> was that single showing i mean i think it, i think it eight made eight million dollars that weekend yeah and there was there must have been 500 people in that theater wow like there wasn't there was, a, there was, yeah, a, it was full yeah, yeah absolutely full college crowd midnight it was a midnight yeah. screening so that was surprising to see those returns come back of yeah. like this movie is not gonna make this movie's bombing uh, yeah, based just, on that experience yeah just for those curious my uh first time was uh going on a friday of opening night to uh see use my free ticket as a movie um theater employee to see rules of attraction and there were six people in the theater on a prime time <laughs> friday night and I'm just like, oh, <laughs> and needless to say, that movie was out of the theater the next week. <laughs> <laughs> Brad Easton Ellis is just not a draw anymore. Nope. Nope. I was like, I was like expecting to be like half. I'm like, all right, there's a little like not highly, but six people on an opening like 7 p.m. Friday show. I'm like, yeah, this isn't going to look good. <laughs> yeah. He just went because I awesome. think about it. The oh, yeah. more I think about it, I don't really pay attention to how full or how uh empty the theater is because i'm such i'm i'm such a basic bitch i because i just see like the movies that everybody goes to see you know it's like i very rarely do i go and watch you like anthony you go see more um experimental movies things that aren't super popular in theaters i'm you know again i'm just basically like, i'm gonna see the action movies i'm gonna see the horror movies I wait till the the really really good ones come out on demand, and I'll watch it at home. Mm-hmm. So I, most of the time, my theaters are always packed. Yeah, I don't, and I re, I rarely, like I said, I think the only times I go to peak hour movies, and I haven't done it since the pandemic, is when I go with my wife. So I can't really remember a time when we went to a theater and it was like, hmm, there's not a whole lot of people in this theater right now. That doesn't bode well. Because she's Frozen she, Two with the wife, and there wasn't a whole lot of people there. We saw yeah. Frozen Two, and she and it was pretty packed. Yeah, yeah. Because those are the movies she liked. We went. we go we go see Pixar movies and Disney movies, so those are always pretty big. I I will say the most awkward I felt in a movie theater 
was when I saw Teen Titans Go. Because I thought, I was like, oh, all right, well, it's on Cartoon Network. You know, adults watch Cartoon Network. And I was the only adult without a child <laughs> in the theater. So that was kind of strange. Were I you, were, was it just you? Uh, no, there were other people there. No, 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 no. I mean, did you go by yourself? No. Oh yes, yeah. I was. I was by myself. Right. That makes it even dead. better. Yeah, that's why I felt. If if my <laughs> wife had been with me, it's vastly less creepy. Yes. I was like, oh, it's all right. It's you know, it's a couple. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just just a guy in the back, just hanging out watching Teen Titans Go with all the other kids. Not <laughs> not a great look. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. So segueing right into that, uh, Dan, did you watch anything this week? I did. Uh, I, I finished up, obviously, the, the Halloween weekend. We watched and uh, we all, we had a nice little party and you guys were there. I, I hope you had fun. Uh, you know, we watched some horror movies. I'd never seen Rocky Horror Picture Show and we watched that. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Edgar Wright, Shaun of the Dead uh, finished out the night, I believe. Yeah, that was the <laughs> only reason I got home really late. You put on Sean of the Dead. I'm like, well, I'm watching this whole thing. Yeah, and, I mean, and then you put on the TBS version, which meant there were three minute commercials at the point. Yeah, <laughs> goddamn YouTube TV. <laughs> These and there's there's nine commercials in in a break. Yeah, yeah. but it's it's Sean of the Dead, so I was like, yep, I'll stay. It had the cursing too, so that was yeah, fine. Yeah, I was happy with that. Uh, so you give a little, you get a little. Um, and then Sunday, uh, the wife and I just, we cleaned up and then we just, we had horror movies on in the background. The one movie that I watched of note that, uh, I'd never seen before and I, I thought was interesting, uh, was a movie called Terrified and it was on okay. Shudder and it's from Argentina. So now I can kind of say like, I'm, you know, I'm traveled, I'm, I'm cultured. <laughs> I, I watched a movie with subtitles in it. <laughs> uh i will just interrupt and say halloween is forever podcast uh steve who's been on the show they actually just covered it as one of their uh showdown in their showdown episode one of them picked terrified as their movie for nice. haunted house movies so check that out if you're listening to this halloween is forever podcast fun show over there but yeah go ahead yeah it's it is definitely a haunted house movie uh it's it's conjuring s in a, in a way uh pretty bloody some some good atmospheric uh, jump scares, and it it, get, it gets right into it too. It's it's a little bit of a slow burn in the middle, but it starts the movie starts out with a bang, uh, ends pretty ends pretty grisly. It, it's a good movie. Uh, if if you don't mind subtitles, obviously give this one a go. Uh, again on Shutter, I think it was a Shutter exclusive. So yeah, go uh, definitely go check it out. Okay, uh, Mark, I'm assuming you haven't watched anything besides the big one. Uh, yeah, and the. Uh things we watched on Halloween. So yeah. yeah. Uh this past past week I I kind of stopped watching things that I hadn't watched before and I wanted to just watch some classics. So what did I watch? I watched Nightmare on you put on Nightmare on Elm Street. I had watched it earlier in the week as well. We watched Hocus Pocus, um The Haunting of Hill House, the original, just kind of going through the classics. And then on Sunday I decided because we had we had to wait for trick or treaters because they weren't coming around until three. Hit the theater as Mark did, and we both watched separately last night in Soho. So, yeah. Mark, why don't you yeah. give me your thoughts of last yeah. night in Soho? As a reminder, Dan has not seen it yet, so and this movie is rather new, so let's keep the spoilers to a minimum. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk most of the positive stuff and just touch on slight, slight negative that you also tweeted about um, on there, but the I 
you can tell me if it's the wrong part of filmmaking, what I'm going to say here, and correct me, but um, mm-hmm. the the cinematography with how they mix them together, sure. you know, I guess that would be cinematography, is yeah. just ridiculous. And uh, it's really well done. And um, especially, you know, the first act through start of the second act, all those moments were, you know, in the flashbacks were really, really well done. And I love the fact that they um, kept Thomas and Mackenzie in whatever she was wearing um, uh, to make her like stand out in the crowd so you could find her. Um, but yeah, that would that was amazing. The 60s London uh, looked like, you know, as 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 well as you could probably make it trying to transform actual current London into it, um, mm-hmm. you know, because there's probably some signs that you have to avoid, you know, showing because you can't cover them over or even touch them up in post because they look completely different. Um, but, you know, the the atmosphere um, uh, throughout at least, uh, you know, the first two acts um, were really good up until. You know, the climax, um, which I'm assuming is, you know, uh, of, of of the second act, um, was really well done. And then um, Thomas and Mackenzie is, is really good in this movie. Um, and, uh, yeah, for the fact that she's probably in ev- almost every single shot of the movie, almost every frame of it. Sure. Um, uh, you know, uh, they needed a performance from somebody um, since you had to watch her for, you know, the entire runtime. Um and I think the single most, and this isn't a spoiler, most uh, draw-dropping scene um, to me was the acapella downtown by Anya Taylor-Joy. Um, it fit perfectly. It sounded great. Um, the idea of using that song um, um, for that, uh, you know, as Edgar Wright always does with music. I mean, um, you know, Baby Driver and just the, you know, all the song cues he has in, in, in all the movies. Um, and I think that was the one thing about this movie is that he still had his sound cues and his little, like, quick noises to do cuts and stuff like that um, that I that I do really enjoy. Um, is, is that I think his only issue um, in here is he tried to be a little ambitious and that's why I think Act Three kind of falls apart um, a little bit. Um, and then you know there's certain decisions um, that I'm glad that he made, um, but I don't know if he completely landed it um, for the reasons why those decisions occurred. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we can talk about it sans Dan at some point, um, just so I can be more specific. But sure. um, uh, and the <laughs> audience, but um, <laughs> yeah. The, um, yeah, I'm only worried about Dan. Fuck the audience, right? Um, <laughs> but but I think this movie um, uh, is one that you need to watch. And it's weird to say it's about an Edgar Wright movie, but just from the sound design in there, it's a movie you need to watch with like either surround sound or on a good speaker system where you don't get all the little nuances of the things he's doing. Um, but I really enjoyed it, um, you know. Um, there's only one character that I was really confused by, but they needed that type of character in the movie, um, mm-hmm. or else it makes no sense, really. Um, but yeah, it's I, I'm I'm interested to see um, what you thought and and you know any more deeper than my surface level ideas of filmmaking. Sure. Um, yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Um, there, I do have some issues with it. But overall, I, I liked it. Uh, the first, it starts off really strong. There's the scene, and I'm not gonna. There's no spoilers because I'm pretty sure the scene is in the 
in the trailer um, that there's the scene where she goes to the nightclub and we're seeing her and we're seeing Anya Taylor-Joy and we're seeing Matt Smith. And there's a scene where he's dancing and it keeps switching between yep. both of them um, while he's got while they're dancing. And it's like it's the same shot. It's like Anya Taylor-Joy is dancing and all of a sudden he spins her, her around and now all of a sudden it's Thomas and McKenzie. And I thought that was I would I would watch a featurette on how they accomplished that yeah. scene. Uh, and, it was really well done. Yeah, and and on that point, not to jump in, but the the coming down the steps in the mirror shot is probably yeah. one of my favorite shots in the movie. Yeah. So all that stuff. He's he's a very a very strong filmmaker. Even even the the Cornetto trilogy, all of them are very well made and well directed. Um, and I think what you did say, uh, his ambition kind of causes the third act to be a little underwhelming just because it's very ordinary. It, the ending's very ordinary. It's this, this movie is so ambitious and it's successful in its ambition through the first, let's say hour. Um, yeah. And it's very unique. And then it just kind of falls into like ordinary genre thriller kind of trappings. And that's what, I felt and I think it, I think it has to do with the fact that this and Malignant sort of uh, are kind of the same in that because they're both like supposed to be Giallo-esque films. They're homage to Giallo films. And this movie really doesn't do that. Like in the in the beginning, it doesn't it never feels like a Suspiria to me. Like maybe yeah. the part where, you know, Thomas and McKenzie is a young, young woman in London. That's sort of like Suspiria where the girl moves across across the Atlantic to go to ballet school or whatever. So it's like those beats are similar, but it doesn't feel like he's trying to ape a giallo film. Um, and sort of the similar, uh, what, where I think, um, Tarantino's death proof fails. It never feels like anything other than a Tarantino movie. Um, but then the third act hits and it's kind of hits that. Okay. This kind of feels like it would be in a giallo movie. Um, and I think that just it's a tonal shift that just doesn't work overall. Um, but I still enjoyed it. I, I, I said it's it kind of go, it goes to an ordinary place. It's it's a little underwhelming in that aspect, but it's still I still like it better that I'm not a baby driver fan. I it's fine. I don't see why everybody loved it so much. It's my least favorite. Ever. Like, really? I, I liked it. I thought I, it was really good. I, I thought it was fine. Like that's it. It was fine. Um, I put it. I put it above World's End. I like all. Oh, I, I forgot like, about that movie. I like the World's End. I think that's underrated. Uh, um, that, that's I a movie. Don't that's think I, they're, they're definitely part. five and six or four and five. What it would be? Um, I, I I would probably go Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz. I I, I haven't seen all of Edgar Wright's film. Yeah, I'm high on Scott Pilgrim. So I don't like Scott Pilgrim. I, 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 like I don't get Pilgrim. Scott. I'm not a Scott Pilgrim fan either. Uh, yeah, for me, it's the Cornetto trilogy one, two, three at the top, um, and then this one's probably four. Such a sellout, bro. Why am right? I? What? what I, how that, that makes no out? sense. Yeah. Explain how that's a sellout. That, that it, no, it does. I'm trying to explain. Think. Explain your words that you use. <laughs> well, I just said it makes no sense. No, you said sellout. I want to yeah. you specifically to define <laughs> how me saying. Edgar Wright's first three movies are my three favorite. How and then I immediately said it made no sense. You make no sense. You can't. That's just... what I'm saying. I literally word just vomit. said it made no sense. Just words vomiting out of your mouth. 
Yeah, so there's. I, it's yeah. Um, I, like I said, it made no sense when I when I said it. But there's. Uh, I, I just I don't like World's End. It, that the again, it sounds like with the ending with uh, Last Night in Soho, it's the same thing. It's like oh, it's a cool idea, too ambitious and a little too there what yeah. they were trying to pull off um i i don't think it i don't think that's what i think last night in soho the fact that the, everything in the beginning is ambitious kind of leads to a very unambitious ending that's what i think last night in soho fails is that it's just it it feels like something bigger than what it winds up being if that makes any sense yeah yeah, the, I would uh, love to have seen his Ant Man. Edgar Wright's Ant Man. I would have been interested in seeing his Ant Man. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it would have been the best directed Marvel movie, I think. Uh, probably, unless they did. They were just like, well, I mean, the reason why he left is because they wouldn't give him creative control, really. So, right. Uh, if they had, I think it would have. It, yeah. it would have been top three for sure, yeah. if not number one. Uh, two facts about uh, Last Night in Soho. It have nothing to do really with the movie that I found out later. One. Apparently, Thomas McKenzie is New Zealander, is a Kiwi. Um, didn't know that. <laughs> would have sworn she was English. Um, yeah, I didn't know. And two, um, I was, well, there's only two other people in my theater, so I can't say normally this would <laughs> be better. But um, I was probably one of the few people in the theater that was immediately, as soon as he came on screen, was like, ah, oh, it's General Zod. Michael Shannon? No, from the first one. The, the original. The original oh, okay. Zod. Yeah. Oh, Terrence Stamp. Yeah, yeah. Terrence Stamp. Yeah. Yeah, yeah when I'm he pops like... up, I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> Did you and the other audience members like talk to each other? No. I was theater? I literally my seat was great. Um well I knew there was a problem when I bought the tickets in the morning and the entire theater was available to pick seats from. Um I chose seats dead center and it was in the smaller theater. Last row dead center, so I had nobody behind me <laughs> and full view of the thing, and they were for some reason one picked all the way to the left of the theater, and the other one was, like, in the f- second row. And I'm like, you had the whole theater to pick seats. Like, why those seats? Mark picked the the, the primo jerkin seats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I think we should normalize being able to yell to other audience members if there's only a few people in the audience. I thought you were gonna say we should normalize no, drinking it off for the beer. No, that's I'm not Pee Wee Herman. I was holding, I was holding yeah, my breath Paul, there. Paul Rubin. If, if Paul Rubin Paul can't Rubin. do it, then no one can. I, Paul I Rubin has entered the chat. I won't say that it didn't go through my head at some point, but I do not have the courage to do it. To when something crazy happened on screen, to just yell, "Do you see that shit?" To the to the other two people. The Until theater. we get off this topic, you have to. It, everyone's got to say. No, I'm not talking. I'm not about to talk about masturbating in the theater. Just Mark just said. I not that the not that it I had worked up the cross. I was worked up the courage to jerk off at a theater. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh... Um, but yeah, I, I liked it. I, I wanted. Yeah. I it's one of the first movies I've seen in a while that I would say uh, I would totally go back to the theater to see it again. Yeah, I but, would too. Oh, and one thing. Yeah. Uh, was it more horror than you were expecting? No, I was, okay. I thought, so that was the whole thing. Um, I wanted, I want to take my wife to see this, but she, she took one look at the first trailer and she's like, nope, there's no way I'm going to see this. Um, and then I had, wa- I had seen the second trailer, I think played ahead of Halloween kills. I was like, you know, the second trailer really did not feel as horror as, 
as it as it the first one seemed. So she watched that and she's like, I still don't really want to see it. I was like, okay. Um, so I was expecting it to be less less horror than the first trailer, and that's what we that's went in with different expectations. Like yeah. Okay. I was expecting it to be a little more psychological, you know, um, mm-hmm. than than the horror that you get. I maybe it's just the third act um, that yeah. we keep coming back to, but um, I think I'm just desensitized yeah. too. Because maybe my wife would say, you said that this was not supposed to be scary, and I'm scared shitless. I don't know. Yeah, um, and also, I don't watch as much horror as you guys, so maybe yeah. it surprised me. And, or I don't catch the cues in trailer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's all we watched. Uh, I'd probably give it like an 8. Yeah, it's a yeah. solid 8, 8.5, something like that. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it. Uh, but we are going to take a quick break before we get into this week's movie, and you guys are going to listen to some ads so we can pay those bills, and we'll be back in a second. And welcome back. Now it's time to get into this week's movie. And this week was Dan's pick. So Dan, why don't you tell us what you picked this week? Sure. So, you know, all this talk about Bond and all that. And obviously Daniel Craig had his last stint recently with uh, No Time to Die. I thought, what better way to send Daniel Craig packing and just taking him to task for this movie, Cowboys and Aliens from 2011. <laughs> okay. Uh yeah, what did, where are you coming from with Cowboys and Aliens? Uh, I, it was the first time I saw this movie. I mean, immediately when I saw the trailer for it, I was so disinterested in it. Like this was this had bomb written all over it, and you know I was correct as always, as I tend to be with movies. <laughs> and my I think when my parents got this for me for Christmas as like a stocking uh, stuffer, and I watched it awful, thought it was so dull. I think I like spaced out at a few points and the, the beauty of this movie is you can space out at multiple points and never lose track of what's happening cowboys versus versus aliens that's you know that's the major plot point of this movie um so I, I saw it then this is the second time I've watched it and back when I first watched it I didn't realize some of the great talent that we were going to be getting you know like Paul Dano is in it uh, mm-hmm. So I, I, he was kind of just, he was up and coming at this point and he's, uh, Wyatt Russell's in it for a split second. I didn't even realize that on my second watching, but again, now he's, he's in Marvel movies. He's doing his thing. He had some good up and comers. Uh, I'd, I couldn't really appreciate it back then. Walton Goggins is in it. It's a star studded cast, but God damn, do they just, they do not hit the landing at all they just they jump the vault and i feel like they break their neck on the landing it's terrible <laughs> okay uh mark what about you where are you coming yeah. from so i am surprised that i've never seen this movie before um for two reasons it somehow snuck through my two stretches of choosing movies to watch uh the time um when i would watch a movie uh, just because i found one of the actresses attractive um uh, you know, which was with um, Olivia Wilde, obviously. And then also, I tried to watch every movie Sam Rockwell was in. Both times in those stretches, this movie was just a blind spot, just not there. Um, uh, like Dan, I saw the trailers, didn't interest me at all. Um, and yeah, it it basically, um, yeah, lived up to what I was expecting, um, where it just felt like a bunch of people... Uh, were told by their agents that this would be a great movie to be in um, because it was, uh, I guess, it's, is it from a story or something? Uh, like some kind of novel? I, I Maybe feel, a graphic novel. I feel like this is like an agent going, oh, this is going to be the next big thing. It's going to be like The Walking Dead or something, you know. 
Not that I don't know if Wong Dae was out by this point, but you know what I mean by that. Like you gotta you gotta get on the ground level here. Um, and so they signed all up, and then like a day or two into shooting, they're just like, "What the fuck did we decide to do here? This makes no sense." Um, I was also happy that uh, uh, Clancy Brown was in it. Um, I do always enjoy when he pops up in random things, including video games that I've played, because um, he just has a very uh, great presence whenever he's on um, screen, at least to me. Uh, so that was fun. But yeah, I, for as much as I do enjoy Daniel Craig's Bond, probably my second favorite, um, he just, I don't know what he was going for with this or he if he just got bored. And then um, uh, Harrison Ford was just doing his, I'm just going to be Harrison Ford um, in this and not really play a character at all. Um, so yeah, that, that's where I, that's where I'm coming from with this. Yeah. It met my low expectations. I, on the other hand, saw this in theaters Ooh. and I don't remember a fucking thing about this movie. <laughs> it's a ringing endorsement. If yeah. you it looked like before Dan had picked this movie, like the week before you asked me, Hey, try and think about it write down on a piece of paper every single movie that you watched in theaters in the last 10 years, I could probably get about 70%, and this would be in the other 30%. I forgot this movie existed. And it's crazy to think that because the director is coming off of two Marvel movies, the writer is coming off of Lost, as well as two other other writers are coming off of two, and I think, or one Star Trek movie, and would later write two more. Uh, the pedigree behind this movie is incredible. Uh, John, John Favreau is the director of this. Um, and it's also and it's written by um, Damon Lindelof, uh, Robert Orsi and Alex Kurtzman. So very uh, established people in the in the genre of sci fi adventure kind of films. And this movie super fails to deliver on the promise of what the title Cowboys and Aliens is going to deliver for you. Not in the fact that there are no cowboys or no aliens, but Cowboys and Aliens sounds like a fun movie. And this is anything but fun. There is so many tonal shifts that it gives you whiplash. Like Cowboys and Aliens, and the reason why Harrison Ford is in this movie is because he's Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones are fun, adventure, sometimes sci-fi movies. And everyone forgot to add the fun. (laughs) It's incredible. We... We don't get any laugh lines, but we do get a woman getting torn apart from her insides out. Yeah. On the operating table. (laughs) It like such a tonal shift for this movie. And like in the flashbacks, I thought she was being raped by aliens. Yeah. Jeez, really? Yeah. Because there's before he gets his full memory back, he's he remembers watching her dead on the floor and like she's being moved like she's being jerked around but like right. in emotion that looks very much like somebody is on top of her um and it winds up it's just he's misremembering the memory and it winds up she's having her organs pulled out of her her stomach um she's just brutal for this fucking movie um the aliens just wind up being nameless faceless aliens where's the fun in that this is the reason why universal studios is not a is not a park that necessarily needs to go to because they haven't had like a hit movie like this in forever. <laughs> I had I had written down we're not going to see a Cowboys and Aliens theme park ride anytime soon. <laughs> right, like like they still have the Mummy ride with Brendan Fraser, and it's because 
And it's because they've got nothing. They have no, no movies that they could make rides out of. Fast and the Furious is like the only, the other experience that they have in that. They look to have the show, right? Yeah. Little do they know that the, uh, the mummy is just, uh, now Brendan Fraser's just in it live action all the time. Yeah. It's not like Uh, shots from the movie. He just reenacts it for everyone. But yeah, it's, it's like Men in Black. Is there other, I guess, or other ip that they try and churn out ever so often and that bomb yeah yeah this movie is so dull just where's the where's the fun that's really all i thought about when i was when i was watching this this is like who is this who is this for definitely kids i it at times it is for kids right like certain parts early on when the aliens first show up like oh okay this is gonna be a, a popcorn blockbuster type of movie and then and it just it drags its feet I don't, it, it i don't know if it just if it wants to be a western or not at times uh if it had just stayed your kind of run-of-the-mill western movie i think it would have been so much better if you probably if you just drop aliens yeah if you get rid of the aliens and you have it where daniel craig has amnesia wandering the plains uh coming across you know all types of bad folk a town that a town that needs his help or something along those lines. That'd be, that would have been great. Right. We don't need the, the, once the aliens arrive, it's just, man, this movie takes a dive. So you're pitching born identity, but in the old West. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Anytime when a person loses their memory, you need to get that in front of a Hollywood producer, Dan, you would, <laughs> would definitely get money to make a script. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that would have been great. And you have, there's a twist in this movie that just, so unearned and so schlocky I, like i hated it i i remembered hating it the first time i saw it and then i talk about when olivia wilde is an alien yeah so oh fucking God. stupid so dumb so dumb like and so lazy such a lazy writing where um, it's never hinted at and there's no reason for it not to have been explained earlier Right, like as soon as the aliens arrive, as soon as the aliens yeah. make their their presence known, Olivia Wilde should have just come out and said, "Hey, I'm an alien. I can help you guys kind of beat these other aliens. So no need to hide my identity because you know aliens exist now. These weird creatures. <laughs> sure. So, so I I don't understand what they were. I guess the big reveal they th- they throw her in the fire. Good, like thankfully <laughs> <laughs> they did that. Yeah. So happened to be thrown in the fire. And I'm 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 so glad that uh, John Favreau or one of the writers um, had obviously seen. Um, I might be the only one to pick up on this. Obviously seen. Uh, Ernest scared stupid in that last scene where everybody's hugging their loved ones and Daniel Craig is just standing alone. I think waiting, some people waiting for her. have seen Ernest scared stupid. It's a pretty, <laughs> it was a pretty well-known movie. <laughs> it made $14 million in theaters. <laughs> yeah. I, I bet, I bet you uh, some of the, some of these guys would have at least heard and people know who Ernest is. Yeah. Except, you know, Daniel Craig didn't get the, the payoff, you know, that's I, I had read. There's nothing in that giant show. spaceship for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, I'm glad we're on. <laughs> yeah, and and yeah, even the end. It's like they have it where the uh, the townsfolk are like, oh, they have amnesia too. Who gives a shit? It's the end. <laughs> Why mm-hmm. are you having it be like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't know you. We don't have That's enough hard. time for this. 
that's why they had them all remember when they said their name or something identifiable, and then it came back. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. That was yeah, all he but needed, but his identifier was dead. It's just weird. Right? We don't have enough time in, left in the movie for them to get their memory back. It, the, the movie has reached its climax. It's over. We've saved the townsfolk. We don't need them to not... Re- we don't need to spend the next two, three minutes like, oh, yeah, I don't remember you. Oh, I do remember you. It's over. Embrace end of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I felt all of the extra half hour that this movie has over most of the movies that we watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I, that ninety minutes to one hundred and twenty minutes—that's a killer. For especially with a movie like this. Yeah, this was, uh, this was one movie I did not need longer. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it, and going to the lazy writing again. The reason why the aliens are on Earth is gold. Yep. So why? They're an advanced technology, you know, driven species. I'm sure they don't need gold. Gold probably has no uh, real uh, worth from wherever they're from. They have their own currency, I'd imagine. Well, no, if you listen to Olivia Wilde, um, gold is just as scarce on their planet as it is here. It's a conductor? What do you need gold for? That was was the explanation for why they needed gold. I, I much would have rather you given me something. We're just here to enslave your kind. You know, we we go from planet to planet and we just wreck shit. You know, and that's why Olivia Olivia Wilde's characters there. They took over my planet. Just give me that. That makes way more sense than yeah. We wanted gold. Oh, for what? What are you gonna buy with it? What do you have on your alien planet? Yeah, I mean that's what Harrison Ford says, right? Yeah, We're gonna I... buy stuff with it. <laughs> it's like he's in the he's recording with us. Harrison Ford's with us. That was really good. Uh, yeah, Harrison Ford's. He's this is when he stopped giving you shit. I feel like he saw when he saw the first cut of the movie and he saw those those alien planes crashing. He got a little jealous. <laughs> Man, I wish I was crashing my plane right about now. <laughs> hey, he saved someone with his plane. All right. It's way more than what this movie's done for anybody, I'd imagine. <laughs> oh, yeah, this movie sucked. Uh, it was rough. Again, such good very, talent. It's just very mid. It's not even that it's bad. It's just very mid, as the kids would say. Yeah, yeah that, that's a good way to put it. There's nothing special about it. Mm-hmm. The aliens don't look particularly cool. They have a design flaw, too, of their extra hands exposing their, their internal organ. <laughs> yeah. Their their vagina body just opens up with these weird tentacle hands. Yeah, I need Charles Darwin to weigh in on that one because that is yeah. not a uh, feature of evolution that should continue through the the, uh, <laughs> the generations. Yeah, they kind of they look like grasshoppers almost. Yeah, it's, it's it, a bad look. I feel like it was a first draft of a Men in Black alien. Maybe. Yeah, could have been. Yeah. It's, very, it's a very uninspired movie. I'll, I, I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah, like um, even, like even evolution. Remember that piece of shit that we watched. At least yeah. that tried to be funny. And and the, some of the alien designs were interesting. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, again, that I mean that suffered from just a, a poor cast. I think, and you yeah. know, obviously the, the the story wasn't super strong, but yeah, it had comedy elements to it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't even like. I keep saying it like it's not funny, but 
It's not even that it's not funny. It's just not fun. I think the bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly. When you place your first wager at bet MGM, simply download the bet MGM app and sign up using code champion 150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store to out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. It's like Indiana Jones movie. Keep coming back to Indiana Jones or like Back to the Future. All these classic action fun movie that they're not necessarily hilarious but they're fun people are having people on screen it look like they're having a good time this everybody's miserable and yeah and obviously for good reason i mean a lot of people are missing loved ones but like then that's the problem of your your story is that these people are essentially your your main cast is in mourning no one's having a good time. <laughs> Everyone's really sad. It sucks because like, you have these such a good cast and then you waste Sam Rockwell. You waste Completely him. wasted. Completely wasted. He's not fun whatsoever. You have Adam Beach, who is your token Native American tracker. So you, you got to throw that in there. And it takes 40 minutes to see Daniel Craig shirtless. Unforgivable. <laughs> unforgivable john favreau that's he should have the first shot of the movie he wakes up shirtless all right that should have been step number one so right from the get-go you kind of screwed the pooch there (laughs) Uh, okay so cowboys and aliens from 2011 directed by john favreau who is known for iron man iron man 2 elf chef zathura the jungle book and the lion king stars daniel craig harrison ford olivia wilde Abigail Spencer, Clancy Brown, Sam Rockwell, Paul Dano, Keith Carradine, Noah Ringer, Walton Goggins, Adam Beach, and Anna De La Reguera. Rotten Tomato score of 44% and an IMDb score of 6.0. Budget, $163 million. Box office, 100.2 domestic, $174 million global. It disappointed. I will say Olivia Wilde looks incredible in this movie. That's about like the nice thing I have to say about this. Can I say the entire time I thought they went with the wrong Olivia? I like Mon um, more. Really? Yeah. Mm. She's well, problematic. I, I they, yeah, but they're neither of them are particularly <laughs> great actresses. I just, no, I, I, like, I feel like I, I like Olivia Wilde more. That's fine. To yeah. to each their own. Yeah. I mean, you brought it up. I'm just saying I disagree with you. No, yeah. I and you know what? That's <laughs> what makes this podcast great because we don't yep. always agree with each other. There you go. Uh, so you want to get into the plot? Yeah. All right, Dan, what do you got? Mark doesn't want to get into the plot. That's how much he hates the movie. Yeah, like, um, I don't want to pile do this. of shit. <laughs> All right, so uh, just a quick shout out to uh, our good friends of the podcast, Tia and Brittany. Uh, we want you to go check out their podcast, Tea Time with Tia. Tia and Brittany just talking about random shit, pretty much. The two good friends talking about random movies, TV, 
you name it, they're talking about it. Very nice people. Go check them out at uh, gvnation.com, Geek Vibes Nation. Head writer for that website, so you'll find all of her articles there, her reviews. And Brittany is a streamer, uh, Itty Bitty Brit uh, at, what is it, Itty Bitty Brit dot, no, twitch.tv backslash Itty Bitty Brit. There we go. Okay, great. And we're going to take a quick break, and you guys are going to listen to some messages from Friends of Podcast, and we will be right back. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast. Every week, the ODPH is talking sports, movies, TV, comics, and more. It's always a parlay of topics on each episode. You can find the ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts, such as the one you're listening to right now. Don't forget to check out OchoDuroParlayHour.com, where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts, links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607 podcast info, and parlay points, our companion block section of the show. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Welcome, travelers. Seems like you're looking for a story. Well, I got one for you. Involves adventure, friendship, and all hey, sorts hey, of... Hey, uh, Earl, why don't you tell him about that time I stole that big-ass melon? Yeah, yeah, I, I was going for more Or you epic. could tell him about the time I kicked her ass, Earl. I wouldn't ever tell him Do I need to get time. my ref gear on? Okay, everyone, shut up. Now come with me. As I tell you a story from afar. Hey everybody, my name's David. I'm the DM for From Afar Podcast. A from Afar Podcast is all about four friends separated by distance, brought together by adventure. Hope you all stop by and give us a listen. Thanks. And welcome back. Now it's time to get into the plot for Cowboys and Aliens. We open as James Bond wakes up in the middle of the desert with a wound on his side and some sort of metal contraption on his wrist with no direct way of removing it. But as he tries to remove it, a group of bounty hunters come upon him and try to take him in for a possible bounty and makes quick work of them, killing them all, stealing their shoes and a horse and their horses and a dog rides off. Can I, can I interject real quick? Mm-hmm. Uh, are you guys tired of the, the trope where someone wakes up without cl- like their cl- like normal clothes on and they have to get someone else's clothing? Me- it, 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 it was cool for Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. In, in the first two Terminators, that was cool. And like McLean having to get the shoes. But I think I don't like it. I think it's a waste of time. I never thought about it. No. Yeah, same. I just, to me, it, it it's not as cool in this movie. Gotcha. He's just trying on different people's shoes. Yeah. <laughs> it's done without that, I guess. It's needed a montage. Right. This movie could have been an hour and 55 minutes. Just him, go- him going around killing people trying on shoes. That would have been cool. Yeah. <laughs> So he rides off and makes it to a nearby town that seems pretty uninhabited. He sneaks into a church and he tries to clean himself up. And then Clancy Brown pulls a gun on him, asks him what his name is, what he's doing there. But Daniel Craig doesn't remember anything. So Clancy Brown, who is the preacher at the town, stitches him up as best he can. And then they hear some shooting going on outside. We're about to see Percy Dollarhide, spoiled rich kid played by Baldano, shooting wildly into the street of the town for no apparent reason other than his dad is rich and no one is going to stop him. Mm-hmm. Sam Rockwell... Go ahead. I, I was waiting to see if you would mention. Finish your sentence. Yep. Sam Rockwell as Doc tries to come out to stop him, but then Percy breaks his glasses and starts shooting at his feet. So the preacher and Daniel Craig come out, and the preacher tries to stop him from doing worse to Doc. If if you would tell me that there was a scene involving Clancy Brown, Daniel Craig, Sam Rockwell, and Paul Dano, and it was the most boring confrontation scene that I've ever seen, I would be shocked. Until I saw this movie. <laughs> this it's it's like 
at least two really good actors, a great character actor and a up and coming, you know, at the time, you know, Dano. Um, mm-hmm. And none of them seemed like they wanted to be there in this. Yeah. All pieces are there. It just doesn't, yeah. this doesn't go anywhere. So then Percy decides that he wants to take everyone's pocket money. But when he gets to Daniel Craig, Craig calls his bluff and walks off. As a show of I mean business, Percy shoots off in another direction, but winds up accidentally shooting a bystander across the street. Sheriff comes in and tells Percy he has to take him in. Meanwhile, some of Percy's dad's workers are out in the desert, and one of them gets super drunk and shits on Mr. Dollarhide, then literally goes off to shit in the river. Then something crash lands on Earth. Cut back to the jail, and Percy pleads with the sheriff, telling him it was all an accident, and the sheriff sees a wanted poster for Daniel Craig, and it says his name is Jake Lonergan. At Doc's saloon, Doc is trying to shake off what happened in the street with Percy, but is feeling emasculated by both Percy and his own wife. Lonergan comes in and orders a drink. Then Olivia Wilde comes up to him, staring at him like she knows him. They talk a bit, and then the sheriff comes in and says he that he needs to come with him and his deputies. So Jake refuses, then he fights it off all the deputies and pulls a gun off the, on the sheriff, but then Olivia Wilde knocks him out from behind. It's, Lonergan, okay. This, this needed uh, Jason Bourne cuts in it, or... You know, or something, because the cuts they tried to make in this um, was, I guess, Favreau trying to do, um, like, Marvel Iron Man action. And mm-hmm. it just doesn't work for what it is intentionally trying, which is what's going on here, is a guy being so much quicker than everyone else um, sure. and taking away the guns. But you don't feel any of that. Mm-hmm. So Lonergan wakes up in a jail next to Percy and Percy tells him that his daddy is going to kill him and it's going to hurt. So Lonergan grabs him through the bars and slams him into the jail cell wall. Meanwhile, Dollarhide, Harrison Ford, comes across his cattle slaughtered as torturing one of his workers for answers. A couple of men came, come back from town to tell him that Percy got arrested and he promptly blames them for it. Back at the jail, Sheriff tells Lonergan that he's going to transfer him to the federal marshals. Percy's going with him. As he puts them on a wagon to send them off, Dollarhide and his men ride into town to stop the sheriff. He also recognizes Lonergan as the man who stole gold from him. As they argue, strange lights start to appear on the horizon. As they get closer, the lights start firing on the town, leveling buildings and causing random chaos. thing on Lonergan's wrist starts to light up and come to life. He breaks Percy's hand to free themselves from being tethered together. Then he uses his wrist thing to blow a hole in the carriage. They also start sneaking in people's windows, snatching them up. The aliens, that is. They snatch up Doc's wife, Percy, and the sheriff and basically level the town. Jake uses the wrist cannon to shoot down the ship, and then one of the aliens runs off into the desert. Real quick, mm-hmm. when uh, Daniel Craig breaks um, Paul Dano's wrist to get out, that's never that's never resolved at the end of the movie. <laughs> and I really wish they would have brought that back. That yeah. would have been fucking hilarious, right? Like he he frees Paul Dano from the alien hypnot- hypnotizing or whatever. Just immediately, like, oh my god, my wrist. Jesus Christ, it hurts so much. It's been broken for, for days now without medical attention. Help me, please. Uh, he just he has to get it amputated. <laughs> right, it's the gangrenous. The last scene, he's got no one. He's only got one hand. <laughs> Help me. That would have been hilarious. I, I wish that... That would have been... If they added that one part and Daniel Craig shirtless more, that would have made this movie ten times better. There you go. Easily. <laughs> Jake heads out of town and Ella follows him. They wind up in a cabin where Jake has a memory of being abducted along with a woman that he has some sort of relationship with. This is after a fight over the fact that he robbed a stagecoach for some gold. Jake and Ella then go back into the town. And they start a posse to track down the aliens. It's Jake, Ella, Doc, Dollar-Eyed. 
His guys, including Adam Beach, as some sort of possible illegitimate son of Dollarhide, Sheriff's grandson, and the preacher, too. They set out, and there's some infighting and posturing. Doc, for instance, is at best a pacifist, at worst a coward, and some of Dollarhide's men try to goad him into a confrontation. But more or less, the first day goes without much controversy. At night, they find a beach showboat, which was upended by the aliens, and the preacher tries to teach Doc how to shoot, but it doesn't go well, and he gets frustrated with himself later on I, in the night. Okay. I do I do like the line here that probably seemed funny on the page, but it's just either delivered very poorly or doesn't actually work well, is when, yeah, I forget who says it goes, um, which shows you how good it was. Um, uh, I don't know much about boats, but I think that one's upside down. And they're yep. like, oh, that's going to get a laugh. We got to get this down. <laughs> You know, that, that was their attempt at humor. Yeah. yeah, that was that was like it was like, oh, man, see, because it's see, the boat's actually upside down. Ha ha. You get, get it. it? Get it? <laughs> I, I like how Harrison Ford knows exactly how far away the nearest river that can hold a boat that size is, too. We're 500 miles away from a, a river that holds that kind of boat. Oh, OK, thanks. I'm glad you He's know that. He's some kind of so rain well. man of topography. Right. Well, he is 75. He has been around. He just knows the exact mileage. It's pretty good. He's he's the uh, the GPS of the Wild yeah, West. Yeah. Later on in the night, the dog starts barking because he found something. The sheriff's grandson goes to check it out and comes face to face with an alien. As it's about to attack, the preacher comes in and starts shooting at it, but attacks the preacher fatally and leaves when Jake shows up with his wrist thing. In the morning, they bury the preacher, and Jake and Doc take a moment to say a few words, and they're off. As they ride, they get held up by a bunch of outlaws, including Walton Goggins, who recognizes Jake as the leader of the whole outfit. Jake still doesn't remember, but he pretends like he does and convinces Goggins to bring him to the camp in order to bulk up on supplies. When they do, it comes to light that Jake ran off with more than his fair share of the last robbery, and some are not particularly pleased. So one of the guys takes it upon himself to beat the shit out of Jake, until Jake uses his wrist cannon to blow a hole in the guy's chest. And then a chase ensues. Like, a blowing a hole in the guy's chest is not a fun movie thing to happen. You no. know? <laughs> no. it's especially because we've seen the power of that, um, what that wrist cannon can basically do. Yeah. Uh, it would have been better if, yeah, maybe they had solved that problem different way. I, yeah. I guess yeah. they just got to get to the aliens, so. Yeah, it all settled on again, trying to make a joke of him going, I told you not to call her that again. Yeah. yeah. Why didn't they just shoot the shit out of him after that? You know, like, you have all the guns <laughs> trained on him. Yeah. But, like, it, it, it like could have been, like, a sort of thing where he just gets, they're about to fight, and then, you know, Indiana Jonesing it, just shoot him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, they're getting ready for this big showdown, and just, boom, gone. As the posse gets chased by the outlaws, the alien ships come from over the horizon from the other direction, causing the posse to head back the other way. Chaos ensues as the ships start shooting at everyone. They wind up snatching up Ella with one of those weird grappling hooks that just seems so inelegant for a species that has mastered interstellar travel. Jake what do you think a uh, like a, a a beam would have been? Yeah, better? yeah, yeah. I, I thought so too. It's like yeah, some the, sort of wild wild west sort of steampunk thing going on. Yeah, it felt like a Doctor Octopus kind of. Yeah, you know, I, I thought that was kind of interesting. I would like to have seen the beam yeah. way more elegant. It's a lot cleaner. Mm-hmm. Once you got a big boy and you need to use two tractor beams. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> they they didn't master that yet, that's why. They didn't know how heavy these earthlings were. Yeah. Jake climbs onto the ship and attacks the pilot alien who crash lands the ship, and Jake and Ella jump into a river to safety. 
As they crawl to land, they have a moment, but it is interrupted by the alien pilot coming out of the water in order to yeet Ella across the Louisiana Purchase. <laughs> Jake kills the alien and attends to Ella's wounds and carries her back to everyone else. When he gets her back to the group, it's too late. She's died. And then they are immediately taken taken prisoner by an Apache tribe. The tribe brings them to their chief, who blames the white man for bringing the aliens to Earth. And the tribe throws Ella's body onto the fire, which I don't know, is probably just for for shits and giggles. But she is reborn as a naked Olivia Wilde. I like how they held on that that shot far too long, (laughs) where she's naked. I mean, you don't see anything regardless, which, you know, which is neither here nor there. But Daniel Craig approaches her. Kind of and he takes lead. forever with that blanket. He <laughs> takes forever. <laughs> like, like, all right, we, we just see her back. What is there to really for the audience to see? I get it. If Obviously, in in that time period, it was probably amazing to see a woman like Olivia Wilde naked. It was probably that probably made a lot of people's lives back in the yeah. day, I, I would imagine. But for the there audience, was, that does nothing. There was so much jerking off happening that night. Oh God! Yeah, the the <laughs> the, uh, the the spank banks were chock full. <laughs> uh, she explains that she is from an other world, but not one of the alien race that they are fighting. That sounds suspicious. Did they they actually... say what world? I forget. Uh, not that I remember. I figured lazy. Yeah. Where are you and... from? Uh, I'm from. Yeah, and this oh, okay. the whole it's the whole contact thing too. Of like, I took this form so you would accept me as one of your own. Right. Oh, and and again, <laughs> again, we we know that aliens exist, so you very easily could have just came out and said, "Yeah, listen, I I know how to stop them." So mm-hmm. let's, I, let's stop beating around the bush. I don't know if this movie changes if she's just human, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. Is she a spirit? No, I don't know. Like if this, if she's just a human in this movie, nothing changes really. You can no, get yeah, that's true. She won't come back from the dead, right? I mean, that's she's the, the one that blows. She blows up the the spacecraft. That's yeah. her. But why? But she, the only reason why she dies at the point she dies is this, so she can come back. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but you're you're right. It wouldn't have made a difference. Yeah. Regardless, you know, like she I could think... sacrifice herself at the end because like. Maybe her husband was taken by them and he didn't make yeah. it, you know? Sure. Yeah, that would have been great. Or why not? You couldn't do Harrison Ford because he has a son. Yeah. Uh, Harrison yeah, well, Ford's not sacrificing himself for nobody. Unless it's to get out of a, uh, a saga. <laughs> or unless it's just he just wants to crash his plane again. He does it a lot. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so now I'm kidding. Has this happened more than once? I thought it, it was just the one. I think it's at least twice he has crashed his plane. <laughs> well, he's walked away. Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> Impressive. Uh yeah, I, I thought this this uh reveal was just super, super, super lame. Yeah. And, and unnecessary. I yeah. guess it it was one of those moments like, oh wow. And just, I was more upset because I was like, oh, you know, that's great. Olivia Wilde died. That's awesome. Uh, and they brought her back and was I was sad. No balls, right? Exactly. Yeah, no one can just stay dead. Nope. And they actually wiped out her people and she came to Earth to help warn of aliens. The attacking aliens are after gold and are abducting people to conduct experiments, which kind of just seems like kind of tacked on. Like they're after the gold, and also just because they love to just rip us open and see what's on the inside. <laughs> it's an added bonus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> While I'm here, 
Right. <laughs> We're just going to not rip people apart. Come on. What are, you know, what are we doing then? Why are we yeah. even here? <laughs> and, and again, no point in having the gold. That's, it's a, it's essentially how, you know, you, you go to a different country and your money is kind of worthless at that point. You know, they, they have their own currency. You, you would make, you, you would transition to their currency, right? Right. I would imagine gold probably doesn't have the same value on a planet that's light years away. Yeah. I would just, what if it was like, they at least a better explanation. It's just, it's just as valuable. It's like, what if back on their, the alien home planet, they have robots that gold melted down fuels their circuits. Sure. There you go. <laughs> it goes, and they need it. It. it goes back to Mark's old theory. Just give me one sentence. One sentence that explains it, that's all I need. And I'm with you. I'm 100% behind you, but I need that sentence. But I, I mean, they tried, right? Like, it's valuable. But um, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, adding the why yeah, is you need, valuable. Yeah, you need that one sentence, but why? Yeah. Yeah, lazy writing. Yep. Goddamn, probably was trying to figure out how to... How to, how to uh, uh, damn it, I lost my momentum. <laughs> how they, how they uh, screw up lost. I'm, I'm, I'm not editing this episode, so you're, we're going to have to live with that. It's going in. <laughs> uh, and it, what's also weird that. is that they're coming for gold, and one of the first lines that Clancy Brown says is that everyone left because there isn't any gold here. Yeah. It's the M. Night Shyamalan of uh, they come to a, a water-filled planet, and <laughs> it's exactly the, it's the only thing that can kill them. Yeah. Here it's like, oh, there's some gold, but like not enough to make the trip. That would have been like, hey guys, you're you wasted your your time here. Uh, maybe try like San Francisco or something. I don't I don't know. What Wonder to tell if you. the insinuation is that the the reason there's not much gold is because the aliens have been taking it all. Mm. Uh, maybe that 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 would have been great if they had said explained that. that. <laughs> yeah, we don't know when they came. Yeah, all we know they just arrived, like literally that day when Daniel Craig wakes up. Right. Well, they didn't seem like they were being conspicuous. So, they were, I mean, uh, I should revert to say they were being very conspicuous in terms of, you know, taking people and leveling entire towns. So it's not like they were hiding. No, I, I, I do enjoy that their spaceship tried to resemble the rock formation. <laughs> like, it's clearly not a rock. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 like the, those, uh... it's like those power lines that try to look like trees, but aren't trees. Yeah, I, I was going to say it's a... It's the Simpsons gag when they hide the flying saucer behind the bush. <laughs> the giant. It's just like this one little bush is hiding a, a fraction of it. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, you really fooled us there. Yeah. So in order to find the mothership, the tribe's medicine man gives Jake a psychedelic tea and it starts to unlock his memories. He starts to trip balls, but it works. The events of his abduction start to come into view. He remembers being on an experimentation table and watching the aliens basically tear the woman of from his dreams part alice he also remembers killing the shit out of the alien or actually just wounding him i was trying to do the same thing to him but he then remembers where the mothership is so they head to the mothership and they do some recon and then jake just leaves well everyone thinks he just ups and up and left them he actually headed back to his old outlaw crew to recruit them to help them fight the aliens meanwhile nat played by adam beach speaks to the tribe and convinces them to help them fight also so now the posse is rolling plenty men deep with the Apache and the Outlaws on their side. Plant some explosives on the mothership, and it's a pretty big explosion. Knocks out at least one of the fighter ships, but that kicks off a full-on battle. 
aliens start coming out of the ship and shooting their pulse guns at everyone as everyone on the ground fights jake and ella look for a way into the mothership in order to free the people the fight is certainly not going too well Nat eventually gets attacked and is fatally wounded. Dollaride tries to save him, but his gun runs out of ammo, and then Doc lands a bullseye, shooting him in the face as it goes for Dollaride. It's supposed to be a uh, like celebratory moment, I'm assuming, in the theater, but I just was like, oh, well, I, I didn't see that foreshadowing coming. Yeah, Doc got his dick back. Yep. <laughs> it's very phallic. Basically, you could have said that he couldn't he couldn't get it up in the beginning of the movie, and now he's got it. Full strong. All it took was an alien invasion. Mm-hmm. Should have showed him at the end of the movie with like her pregnant, because that wouldn't have been so <laughs> obvious. Yeah, drive really drive the point home. Six more months. <laughs> oh man, yeah, and it's I love how it's like the worst character keeps getting saved by everyone else. At Dollarhide is it's just mm-hmm. getting his ass saved by the Apache chief. Doc, yeah. his uh, surrogate son. Can't, why, yeah. can't, why can't Harrison Ford just suck it up and get killed? <laughs> no one wanted him to live in this. Yeah, right. Of all the yeah. of all the characters that could die, and yeah, he's definitely one of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they 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 did the terrible thing that happens in movies is they redeemed the racist by the end. <laughs> you know, his character is seen as evil in the beginning, um, and uh, shows that he is basically a racist through most of the movie. And then at the end, it's like, oh, no, he's a good guy because he kidnapped this uh, Native American kid or might have killed his family and then kidnapped the boy. He's a good man. I don't know if it's insinuated that he's the one that killed the parents. I'm going to go with that. It's definitely possible. <laughs> it, yeah, it's but it, it, it's left up to the, the viewer's imagination, I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, uh, and it's so lame. Oh, what's what's uh, Adam Beach saying? Uh, like, oh well, he he's a great warrior, but he hates violence. Bullshit. Uh, yeah. This is this is the Wild West, and it's killing Native Americans. I'm yeah. sure he took great pleasure in it. Um, <laughs> but he had a heart of gold, and he my when my parents died by his hand, possibly, <laughs> yeah. uh, he took me in and raised me as his son. Yeah, oh, yeah. good, I, great. I was waiting for the scene when he. Uh... When he is dying, um, and uh, Harris Ford has him in his arms, and he just went for us from to go to say, "You were my son too." <laughs> I couldn't have asked for a better son, <laughs> except for the son I have, who I'm gonna give everything to. So your <laughs> your sacrifice really doesn't matter. At least he gets a restart on Percy, right? It's like, yeah, oh, yeah, I guess were, so. Yeah, if you don't remember anything, you were like a really good person. Yeah, right. That's <laughs> that's the best thing to do. Oh yeah, like you did everything. You were you were such a hard worker. You tended the crops and the cattle. Everyone likes you. <laughs> Just that that's what I would do as a parent if my kid like, yeah, no, you were a, you're a straight A student. You you did all the chores around the house. You're just a up you, you didn't hang out with any bad people. Just a real <laughs> Stand-up citizen. I'm sorry. I like how I'm already uh, imagining my child just being a giant douchebag. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's inevitable. So Dollarhide then has an emotional goodbye with Nat, telling him he always wanted, wish he had a son like him. And then the tables turn, and the Apaches start leading everyone into success at battle. Meanwhile, Jake and Ella make their way further and further into the mothership. Jake uses his wrist cannon to kill a bunch of the aliens while Ella works to free the imprisoned people. 
Eventually, all the prisoners escape, but Jake kills a whole lot of aliens. Then Ella moves deeper into the mothership, and Jake chases after her. I just needed this scene with Jake shooting the aliens to be more shot like the Doom movie. That would have been cool. Just make it it look like a first-person shooter. Like, that's all of us. Yeah. I was like, you're already done the dumb, boring shit. Why don't do something really crazy? (laughs) Well, that would be having fun, Mark. Uh, (laughs) What this movie wants to do. Serious movie, yeah. Yeah. So the fighting continues outside, and one of the aliens starts chasing the sheriff's grandson up the mountain and into a cave. And when it tries to use its weird chest hands, the grandson stabs it with a knife in the heart, which is a serious design flaw. Jake I like follows... the idea of chest hands. <laughs> Jake follows Ella into the main part of the mothership, and she tells him that she came here to destroy the mothership. So she tells her to stop thinking, and the wrist cannon will come off, which it does. And then she takes it and moves deeper into the ship. Then Jake starts to get attacked by some aliens outside. Is this supposed to be an homage to uh, Predator? I do not know. Okay, I'm just curious. <laughs> outside, the fighting continues, and the posse sees the imprisoned people coming over the hill. As Jake moves deeper into the ship, he comes across an experimentation chamber where he sees recordings of himself getting tortured. Then the alien that he scarred when he escaped attacks him and puts him into an experimentation bed in order to torture him some more. With the last minute, Dollar Hyde shows up to shoot at it, and Jake shoots at it, and it gets distracted and winds up shooting into it into a vat of melted gold, which melts the alien. And as Dollar Hyde and Jake make their escape, the mothership starts to shake and take off, but Ella crawls her way into the center of the ship, uses the wrist cannon as a bomb, and explodes the whole ship. So this Everyone... whole sequence inside that ship, when they were uh, getting to the, the main part, mm-hmm. um, my broken brain was expecting... Um, the double cross to come from Ella, uh, you oh, know, yeah. after she got the uh, after she got the wrist cannon thing, and we're just well, like she's the bad alien. Yeah, like peace, Jake. And then just goes into the ship and ship goes away. Uh, and um, then just wounds him, shoots him before she yeah. leaves. Yeah, just I was waiting for that to happen. Yeah, yeah this this movie's not clever enough. <laughs> again, again, lines. that that would have been having fun, as Ant would say. Yeah. yeah. But Ella crawls her way to the center and blows up. Everyone is reunited with their loved ones, even though the captured ones don't remember too much. And Jake rides away, going back to the cabin and leaving flowers on the table. As the town celebrates, the town uses the gold they took back from the aliens to rebuild the town. Jake gets ready to leave town. Dollar Hyde tries to convince him to stay. Jake says he's a wanted man. But Dollar Hyde and the sheriff agree that they're pretty sure Jake Lonergan is legally dead. Uh, but Jake rides off to the sequel that doesn't exist. And that is the end of Cowboys and Aliens. Not a good one. Not a very fun one. It just kind of exists. It's a movie. It is. They called this a movie. Yeah, it's definitely a movie. Yeah, they... I didn't take me until they went to credits. The whole time I was going, they're not going to just literally have him ride off in the sunset. Huh? Oh, they did. <laughs> then when it went to credits, I was like, Oh, they, that's just what they did. Okay. They should have had the credits going over him riding, riding into, into the, the sunset. sunset. <laughs> At least give us that. <laughs> yeah. And always part of me, uh, Marvel has ruined me in any movie. I'm like, will there be a mid-credits stinger? Especially, yeah, John Favreau directed it too. Yeah. One of yep. the aliens managed to hit the SOS button. Yeah. And then there, like cuts. it cuts to... Uh, Olivia Wilde's character waking up somewhere oh god that would have been terrible that, that would have been even worse <laughs> um, it's like it has anything happened with last night in soho it was near the end and i was like oh, i've really gotta 
you know, go use the bathroom, but there might be a mid-credits scene here. Was I thought you were going to tell me head. there were aliens in it. It was just like <laughs> said, last night in Soho, the aliens invade. I'm like, God, no, God no, damn it. No. So, um, spoilers then, there's no mid-credits or end credit sequence in that's like so that's perfectly fine for me <laughs> i'm glad to hear that so you don't stay <laughs> thank you uh yeah so that's cowboys and aliens uh i don't really have much to say it's not fun and that's the biggest thing is that it's not fun and should be a movie called J- mm. cowboys and aliens should be fun it's not Indeed. asking it enough no right? like nobody says a funny line sam rockwell's there he's not he's not being his fun sam rockwell self yeah yeah just uninteresting uh total miss very much and that's why no one remembers it yeah yeah uh, i i i probably enjoyed uh wild, wild west way more over there. yeah i think that probably one actually it had fun. yeah it has it has humor in it i mean it's not yeah. necessarily great humor but you know at least it gets some it lands some line yeah yeah it feels it feels more like a summer blockbuster when we came yeah. out at the end of july and it's everyone's having a a miserable time. Yeah. That's really what it's including the audience. Yeah. Yeah. All but right. You know what? I, I was going to say real quick, I'm sure in about, uh, you know, I'll say two to three years, we'll get those people on Twitter who's like, is this under, is this overhated a thread? <laughs> under, is under it, scene masterpiece. Right. If this is, this is just like, people don't get it. Like, it's so much fun. Can't, we can't just have something we hate. Can't hate anything anymore. <laughs> everybody every everything's got to be re-examined it's just like so like we said sometimes movies are just not good and so yeah, it happens to, it's so it's still okay for you to like those movies but just sure. admit that you're you're liking it despite it being objectively bad and this movie yeah. is objectively bad it doesn't successfully do what it sets out to do we've we've entered Catwoman's stage with Halle berry oh so. yeah people everybody's talking about how that that was the whole thing that came back not too long like recently about like oh mm. best back best Catwoman I don't know why people they hate this movie so much yeah because it sucked yeah it was bad yeah that's it. like you can like Halle Berry it, just because she looks good in the Catwoman suit they gave her doesn't right. mean it's a good movie right I I think everyone involved would imagine yeah it, it wasn't good and it's okay it's okay to not have a good movie yeah it happened. And where were you all when Andrew Garfield was trying to make money on the Spider-Man movies? <laughs> right. You assholes. Right. Halle Berry had posted, hey, where were you for Catwoman? <laughs> to be honest, they were probably like four years old. Right. Yeah. So I give them a pass. But Andrew Garfield, yeah, where were you guys? Yeah, he you left him out most. there. <laughs> you left him out there to die. Yeah, it's, it's it's not until Tom Holland came around where you people were like, well, Andrew Garfield's better. Well, yeah, you had your shot. Yeah. Could have helped him, and uh, you didn't. So that's on you. Yeah. All right. You guys want to plug your shit? Yeah. Uh, just uh, I'm just gonna plug our uh, our extra life campaign coming up real quick. I know Mark, you can get into it a little bit more, but uh, extra life is something that we do once a year every November. We uh, raise money for the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. We have the link going on right now, so you can donate. Through the end of the year, great cause. We basically, we stream for 24 hours. We play a bunch of different games. We play Dungeons and Dragons to start it off. Um, it's a lot of fun. If you can donate, that's great. If not, uh, tell a friend. Maybe they can they can help. So anything you can do is, is very much appreciated. 
Yes, as Dan said, uh, Extra Life is Saturday, November 13th. We'll be starting 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time with uh, a session of Stranger Damies. Um, And uh, Stranger Damies, if you do not know, is our D&D podcast. Um, It airs usually every other Wednesday, um, but um, I've been trying to uh, edit these episodes a little bit better, um, so they're taking a little bit longer. Um, uh, So new one will probably be out, if not when this episode airs it on Friday. Um, but most importantly, um, be on the lookout next week, um, you know, probably at some point, either Wednesday, Thursday or Friday, depending on when we can all get together uh, to record. Um, we're going to be doing a quick lead in to um, uh, the Extra Life stream with a Talking to Strangers, which is my uh, talk show with uh, uh, all the players on Stranger Damies and to just um, get ready for the Extra Life, you know, make some announcements and um, just as we normally do on that uh, uh, extra life talking to strangers. So be on the lookout for that. Um, and then we have our gaming podcast, uh, the Game Vault podcast that airs every other Monday. Um, be sure to check that out um, anywhere you get podcasts. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Game Vault Pod. Basically all socials. Just type for that. You should be able to find us. Um, and then we have our Twitch channel, twitch.tv uh, slash Pod, which is also where Extra Life will be hosted. Um, so be sure to check that out. We uh, air, uh, we stream three days a week. Uh, Mondays is our um, uh, old school RPG sort of um, uh, games that Tom likes to play. Um, Wednesday is our multiplayer Wednesdays where we play through... Um, the three of us get together and play a multiplayer game. Right now, we're currently playing Back for Blood, but probably getting in some Halo Infinite when that comes out. You know, just games like that. Um, just to have fun and sort of, you know, just shoot the shit. And um, on Thursdays is uh, my uh, co-op stream um, where I play through a co-op game um, with a friend. Um, right now, I'm currently playing through It Takes Two with Jen. Um, we're almost done. Uh, so um, if you haven't checked this out and you're listening to this live when it... Uh, uh, broadcast, um, uh, be sure to jump right on in. Um, we're, we're near a good part and climax of the game. So, um, it's always a good time. We have some fun with the chat. Um, so be sure to head on over there and we're hoping to add a couple more days of streaming or at least one more day, you know, as we get into the holiday season, um, here just, uh, you know, a little bit of thank you for the audience that has arrived and, uh, be sure um, on everything that we have mentioned to uh, like, share, and subscribe. Um, we love your feedback and your support. Okay, great. And we are They Called This Movie. You can find us on all podcast streaming apps just by searching They Called This Movie. So that's Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, that's where you can find us. We are the TheMainDamie.com. That's our main website. And you can find us on all socials just by searching The Main Damie. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Search for The Main Damie and we'll pop right up. We are part of Geek Fives Nation. You can find them at gvnation.com and on all socials and all podcast streaming apps just by searching Geek Vibes Nation. Tons of great shows. If you're into geek stuff, surely there's a show for you. We are on TikTok. Just look for They Called This Movie on TikTok where you can see quick clips of our podcast and uh, subscribe to us there and just keep up to date there as well. You want to hit us up and tell us to watch a movie the main at gmail.com is our email address tell us we suck tell us we're great we'd love to hear from you either way uh if you have any time go onto your podcast uh, app of choice give us a five-star review it really helps us get seen 
And that's going to wrap us up this week. Uh, the director of Cowboys and Aliens is John Favreau. So for Dan Aquino and Mark Myers, this is Anthony Delecchio telling John Favreau, well, you certainly made a movie, didn't you? 